Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 17. Not quite sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, but when I read the book of Hebrews, you know, it, 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 it almost looks like a combination of personalities. And the one that stands out, obviously, is Paul. But um, as the Holy Spirit just so shadowed the person who wrote the book of Hebrews, he started to write to us, and uh, particularly to the church um, within his day. And, and we know that he wrote to the Jews here. Uh, they were coming out of Judaism. Uh, they were coming out of temple worship. They were coming out of a form of worship um, that marginalized them, that, uh, that, that kind of made them smaller into a type of worship that made them so much bigger within their Christian experience. Because the key word in the book of Hebrews is that the new covenant that we've been saved into through the blood of Jesus is a much better covenant than the old one. Much better. Far superior in every single way. And Jesus is highlighted to us in the book of Hebrews in such a clear and a magnificent way. The Hebrew writer is so clever because he uses Old Testament characters, Old Testament practices. He uses the temple as an example of which the Hebrew people were very familiar with. And he makes a comparison which actually is an unfair comparison. Will you read through it? With Jesus, because who can compare to Jesus? Who can compare to the incredible new path that He had opened up for us and birthed us into? It's a faith that came to us, the better covenant. Jesus drawing us and opening up. The, the, the old covenant was us coming to God. The new covenant is Jesus who came to us, was born to us, and who opens up his heart to us, and he draws us to himself. So, so this is an incredible book. And so as we read these scriptures, you've got to understand to whom this book was addressed initially. And then, of course, it is addressed to us as well. And even as we read this passage of scripture, when we look at Hebrews chapter 12, you'll find out that the Hebrew writer writes um, in a very direct manner to the people here. And he addresses some key issues that we experience on a daily basis. And so he comes to verse 14 and he speaks to the Hebrew Christians and to all of us. And he says this in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 12. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is 
godless like Esau, who for a single meal sought his inheritance rights as the older son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Now, I want to speak about a phrase within this text. Very seldomly do I just pick a phrase and speak on it. But I really felt that this phrase, the Holy Spirit, was highlighting to me and for us this morning. And um, what I would like us to focus in on uh, in, in verses 14 and 15, where it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And this is the phrase. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble or to defile many. I want to talk about uprooting the bitter root. And uh, what I've realized within our Christian walk is that it is so easy for a bitter root to be established within our lives as Christians, as people. And what I've also realized is that there is not one person here who is exempt from this trial, from this test, and from this challenge within our lives. We see that we live in a world that is fallen. And so even without intent, trouble seems to come to us, which can cause bitterness to take place within our lives. Not only does it come to us, but it seems like at times we go to others, and we are the cause of the bitter root. And sometimes we catch ourselves unawares that we cause hurt within people's lives. And so when we look at the context of, of, of bitterness to be established within our hearts and for us to... Um, grow within us, and a root is established within our lives. And, and the Bible here so clearly says that a bitter root can cause trouble, and it can also defile many. So we know that it is a very powerful force that works through us when we harbor bitterness within our lives. In the years that we've been involved in church work, we have seen that many of our people fall into this trap of having a root of bitterness within their hearts. The many years that I've been a Christian, I've realized that oftentimes, if I'm not careful, I will step into that trap where a bitter root will lodge within my life. What I've realized is that it is not just within the Christian environment that it happens, but even outside of the Christian environment. For those of you who are familiar with the game cricket, um, it's a game that the Commonwealth countries are most known for, and they play the game. It's a game that I love and that I really enjoy. And um, they highlighted two 
of the biggest cricket characters in the history of the game. Just a little while ago, these two guys had played against each other over 30 years ago. They were captains of their team. They were icons within the cricket world. And these guys had an altercation in one cricket match over 30 years ago. And they still harbour unforgiveness within their hearts. And as a result, a root of bitterness had established within them. And they got them together the other day. And when they sat down to see if they couldn't resolve it, I think they went about it in totally the wrong way. But nevertheless, they got these two guys together. I won't tell you who they are. I'll tell you afterwards if you come to me. And as they sat them down, they started to speak. And the one guy made a certain comment. And the other guy says, I'm not like that. And he got up, took the mic off, and he walked out. And these guys are well into their mid-70s now. And I sat there and I just said, Lord, help me to grow old with a soft heart. That is one of my goals as, as, as I mature and as I grow in the Lord. It is so easy for life to hand us a lemon and we become bitter when we uh, just look at what happens in life. I think you probably would agree with me if you've lived for a certain amount of years. And really, even if you're a teenager, there's so many things that happens within your life that can cause great bitterness. Just over the TV at the moment, um, Daily Ollie, who's a professional football player, um, just prolific player, and uh, suddenly his form just dipped and his coach characterized him as someone who was lazy in practice. And just a few months ago, they discovered that at the age of six, this guy was abused sexually. You know, and he speaks about that experience. And as I was listening to him, all of us who were looking at this guy had judged him unfairly because we didn't know what laid behind the surfaces. And as this guy started to speak, um, the football world just started repenting, and I loved it. <laughs> we repented. And we had to change our attitude about this guy. Played for England, played for some of the top teams in, in the English Football Premier League. And and a, a root of, 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 of bitterness had set up within this guy's life. And, and we see that it was only exposed at a certain time when the pressure was on him the most. What I realize, I'm 59 years old now, almost 30, uh, 30 60, <laughs> almost 60. And I'm realizing that as you step into your 50s, it seems like the unresolved matters of youth, young adult life, 30s and the 40s, start to rise up within you. If you hadn't submitted those things to the Lordship of Jesus and allowed him to work. So I'm 
talking to many, and I say many, and it's no exaggeration, of pastors, of friends, hearing example after example as people move into their 50s. It seems like the cracks that are there are widened. And um, it is so hard to deal with those heartaches of life that was never brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And my friends, today I want you to know that Jesus is so aware of those things that happen within our lives. And I think many of us, including myself, can testify to the deep hurt that we had incurred in life, where we feel that we've been dealt a deck of cards that wasn't a very, very good one for life. And as a result, there are those things that happens within our lives that never been dealt with. It will start to show itself later in life. I mean, I've shared it before, but a wonderful lady in the first church that Jenny and I started to lead uh, when we were in a place called Howick, uh, a lady who was on the staff with me, and she used to head up the visiting team there and said to me, Piet, she said, the things that you are unable to overcome when you're young will master you when you're old. And I've lived with that truth. And so when something happens within my life, either when I am hurt or when I hurt someone else, the most important thing is to deal with it straight away. There are times we understand we can't deal with it straight away. But we have to give attention to it. Because if you leave it, it will form a root within your life and often turn to bitterness. And that bitterness will defile you. And you've got to be very careful that it doesn't define you. And so this morning, I want to make sure that we do not have a root of bitterness that is stuck within us and that it defiles us. And as a result, we get defined by it. I'd rather be defined by the grace of God. Amen? The work that he would do within our lives. Someone said that the word bitterness comes from the old root word meaning to bite. It is when we have been bitten. It seems like we turn into someone who wants to bite again. The story is told of a very bitter woman who was bitten by a dog. Tests revealed that she had rabies in a time when rabies was untreatable. Then she got out a notebook and began to write down names. The doctor asked if she was making a will. She replied, no, I am making a list of all the people that I'm going to bite. You know, it, 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 it seems a bit humorous, but it seems a little bit sad. But that's a realistic depiction of the root of bitterness that is established within our lives if we're not very careful. 
Someone else says that bitterness is like being bitten by the old serpent, Satan, releasing his venom and poison into our hearts and lives. And we know that he is very, very good in doing that as well. Bitterness is the poison that comes when bitten by certain things in life. It, is, it, is, it, it, it oftentimes occurs because of what is said about us, because what is done to us, or sometimes because of what is taken from us. And when we look at the scripture all the way through, and I love the Old Testament. The Old Testament speaks into that whole matter of bitterness. And um, we looked at Joseph several times this year, one of our favorite characters within this church. But when you look at Joseph, he could have had legitimately a heart of bitterness. But he didn't allow bitterness when it came to develop into a root. But he dealt with it, and he moved on. And if you want to know how to deal with bitterness, read Joseph's story. It is just absolutely incredible how he was able to navigate his life through heartache, through disappointment, uh, being unfairly treated, uh, you know, his life taken away from him, being disappointed by people. He set his course and he moved on. And because bitterness hadn't taken place within his heart, he blessed the people in every way who he came across with. I want to ask you today, is it possible to notice what the root of bitterness looks like within your life? Uh, are you able to discern when you have that root of bitterness. And, and, and you may say, yes, I can. But oftentimes we can't. <laughs> because you see, my friends, when that root of bitterness enters our hearts, the very inception of it is because we've justified our actions. And the moment when we justify our sinfulness, my friends, it is very, very hard to unjustify it. And we need the grace of God through the work of the Holy Spirit, to take the word of God and others to reveal that which is growing within our hearts. And my friends, when the root of bitterness takes place, we act out of character. It's not who we normally are. We act out of character. And so, my friends, I want to take each and every one of us back many years ago, some of you back to yesterday, and certain events that's happened within our lives. And normally, when we are unjustly treated, our response is, I am allowed to act the way that I am. And the moment we start there, that's when the devil is very clever. To come and water that weed within our hearts. That will become a root. And it will defile us. And if we don't give attention to it, it will define us. And it would take years for us to deal with it. 
You see, my friends, it's so much easier just to talk about what it looks like. It's easy, maybe, um, to identify it in other people, but do we actually identify it in us? Like I said, it happens through neglect. It looks, it happens by being overlooked. Maybe within your job, you were, oh, you were overlooked for a position that you thought you needed. Maybe through disease. I know I'm a prime candidate for that. You know, there are times when I want to get bitter because some of the conditions that I have marginalizes me. It's easy to become bitter when you have a certain disease, mistreatment, a loss of some kind. Trauma in our lives could cause this root of bitterness. What happens then is the bitter person, you and I, we're often sharp when we respond to people. We're cold. Some people don't mean to be cold. It's because something happened within their lives. Intense, resentful, stressful. We become cynical. Oftentimes, these are all signs that a root of bitterness had set in. And Jesus, in his kindness today, even as you and I sit and stand here, wants to come and just bring medicine into our hearts where that area is. What he will do first is he wants to uproot that bitter root. It shouldn't be there. Because scripture very clearly tells us what he's done for us. But my friends, he wants to come and uproot it. I have seen and experienced so much ministry in the lives of people where as children they were mistreated by a father, by a mother, by friends, by school teachers. And as a result, that root of bitterness has been there for generations almost. My friends, I have seen God come and minister to people and just uprooted. Sometimes it's a process that ought to be followed. Sometimes he does it very, very quickly. I've experienced both in my life personally, but also in the lives of other people. And so I just want you to have faith this morning for the Spirit of God just to come and just to minister into your life in this area. He's got our numbers this morning, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. He wants to become freedom. It is for the sake of freedom that he has saved us. And when the bumps of life comes, when we get injured, Jesus is so aware of your wounds. He's so aware of how mistreated you have been over the years. But the Holy Spirit comes and he just starts to minister to us and he can bring freedom and release even this morning and in the next few weeks and months to come. So you may say, well, it's easy to talk about it. Well, how do we uproot this bitter root? Well, firstly, we uproot the bitter root by being rooted in Christ. And you say, well, that's obvious. Not really. My friends, oftentimes we would want to fight this battle by ourselves. Oftentimes, we condemn ourselves and we're so hard on ourselves. Oftentimes, we say, this is just the way I am. I cannot change. Have you ever heard people say that? Have you ever said, this is just the person I am? My friends, it's not the person you are. 
We're in a constant state, as Jenny spoke so beautifully to us yesterday, where God is changing us. We uproot the bitter root by rooting ourselves in Christ. He's opened up his heart to us. He has saved us. His blood has covered us. And my friends, we need to root ourselves in him. Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 to 7 says this. And he writes to the church at Colossae. And he says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with thanksgiving or thankfulness. My friends, we don't get rid of the old things within our lives just because we're saved automatically. Yes, I understand, you know, in Christ we are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 says, all the old things have passed away, behold, we've become new. So when we deal with the old things within our lives, we deal with it as a new creation in Christ. Amen? We don't deal with it as an old creation in Christ. We deal with it as a new creation in Christ. And he gives us the ability and the strength and the resource to root ourselves in him. We find strength from him to do it. You cannot do it by yourself. You've got to look to him. You've got to let him do it. I was deeply hurt and injured early in my life. And it felt like Everything was taken away from me that was precious. Everything. And I had to learn over a period of years to invite the very grace of God into my life for a root of bitterness not to be established and to take root. And I'm a testimony of how God can uproot that root of bitterness within my life by turning to him. My friends, I want to encourage you today. Don't look to yourself. Yes, ask others for help. But the primary source of your healing, to uproot that bitter root, that bitter experience within your past, is to look to Jesus. Why? It's because he has the rights based on his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. To help you through it. Because he died for that terrible injury that you suffered in your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he took maybe that shame that you experienced upon himself on the cross. He has the rights to cancel out the power that it has over you. Because he overcame it. You look to him, my friends. And he can help you with that very thing. And I have to walk around with guilt or shame within your life because he bore it. That is why I say we've got to learn to look to him first and foremost. Otherwise, you will have temporary relief, but you won't have total victory. When we look to Jesus, he can help us with that. And so that's the first thing. That we need to do to uproot the root of bitterness. Secondly, 
And this is the hardest part. I think it's easier to look to Jesus. Because he's so kind and we know him. And he's so available to us. Secondly, to uproot the bitter root. We need to respond in the opposite spirit. Whew. I'm almost out of breath. Even just to mention that. Because herein lies the Christian experience. Here improves whether Christ is Lord within our lives or whether he isn't. It is whether we are able to operate in the opposite spirit. I remember I was in a church preaching years ago. And I was, as I was finished preaching, a lady came to me after the service. And she was very prophetic, but a godly lady. I know her very well. And she said, just when you get back to your church, she says, something's going to happen, but I want to encourage you to act in the opposite spirit. And that's all she said. Just act in the opposite spirit. And when I got back, an event occurred where I had to act in the opposite spirit. It took me after that event of acting in the opposite spirit probably about a month and a half to get victory over that situation. But as I acted in the opposite spirit and, and I'm a fighter, I know how to fight. But I had to just step back, allow the accusations to flow, and not to defend myself. How many of you know that that's the hardest thing to do? Not to defend yourself. You're involved in an argument with your husband or your wife. And you want to defend yourself. You're involved in an argument with your friends. And you want to defend yourself. And of course there are a time when we do need to do it. I understand. But we've got to be very sure. That we need to act in the opposite spirit. And... What happens when someone injures you? What does it look like to act in the opposite spirit? Well, firstly, we need to forgive. We need to forgive. You see, my friends, forgiveness is not giving people what they deserve. It is giving them what they need. And you say, I'm into that. Forgiveness is not giving people what they deserve. It is giving them what they need. This is what Randy Carter says. Luke chapter 23 verse 34 says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lights. My friends, when we've been hurt, when people say things about you, when you are misrepresented, forgive. Even before the person asks you for forgiveness. You would say, but Piet, you are such a carnal person. And I am. When I share all of these experiences with you, I can talk here all day long about my sinfulness. And my mistakes. And I had a man to call me about a year and a half ago. 
and um, I hadn't heard from him in about 12, 13 years. And we had been working together in some capacity. Never heard from him. And suddenly he called me about a year and a half ago. He sent me a text message and I phoned him straight back. And he told me that he was diagnosed with cancer. And of course I was... My heart went out to him and then he said, but he said, um, you've said things about me that's really hurt me. And um, he quoted this very, very scripture actually to me that without holiness no man will see the Lord. So I wasn't, I didn't quite know whether he was asking me to forgive him or for me to say sorry. And so as we were talking, I just knew the spirit of God said to me, I just needed to say to him, without going into any detail with him, I just said to him, you know what? I am so sorry that I hurt you. Would you please forgive me? Just those words, would you please forgive me? And he said, yes, I will forgive you. We had a conversation further. We prayed together. And I haven't heard from him since. My friends, there is such power in saying the words to people I forgive you. I want to ask you the question, when last have you said to someone, I forgive you? It is the hardest thing for us to say, and for us as Christians, it ought to be the easiest thing to say, because that's the very, very gospel. We are forgiven because he forgave us. Amen? We should be the best people at forgiving others. Because we have been forgiven more. That's the very gospel. There is not a thing, my friends, that we cannot forgive other people for when they hurt us. Not a, very, not a thing. There's no justification. Because we've been forgiven by Jesus. You see, Jesus, the very example of forgiveness, he took every sin of ours upon himself. He was marred by that sin. He on the cross was defined by that sin. But he overcame it through his incredible love for us, triumphing over it so that you and I can triumph over those things that come to us. My friends, that's the gospel. Oh, I can share with you many more examples of having to be forgiven, but also People forgiving us have said to many people, if you can't speak to the person, just write a letter. Maybe that person isn't ready. It doesn't matter. You never know whether they just need your forgiveness. Send them a letter. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you step into a place of reconciliation. With Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness only takes... One person. That's all it takes. Forgive. That's how we respond in the opposite spirit. Secondly, pray for them. If you can't pray for the other person, you probably hadn't forgiven them yet. When we pray, we bring God into the situation in a redeeming way. God's plan is 
always redemption. I'm working through a situation in another church with pastors and elders that it, it's really gone south there. And I said to one of the elders when he called me the other day, I said, do you know what all of you need to do? It's just you need to get a bucket of water and go and get some towels. He says, what's for? I said, you need to start washing one another's feet. I said, humility has the power to break through every issue. Amen. That's operating in the opposite spirit. Maybe we should not only have a Baptist tree there, but we need to have some bowls of water here and towels. Amen? I think we should have it in our homes, in our marriages, within our friendship circles. Pray. Thirdly, how do we act in the opposite spirit? We act in the opposite spirit by blessing those who have hurt us. The word bless means to speak well of. We need to do it privately. We need to do it publicly. Luke chapter 6 verses 27 and 28 says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Bless people with your mouth. And then lastly, how do we act in the opposite spirit? We need to do good to them. <laughs> and in the margin of my notes I wrote here, we give a little bit of ourselves to them when we do good to them. <laughs> do they deserve it? Probably not. <laughs> but that's what God does within our lives and in other people's lives, where we just do good to them. We've got to do it physically. My friends, if you can get yourself to that point, you'll find out that that root of bitterness would have been wiggled out of the soil of your heart, and you would see that God would help you just to get healing in this area.